Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, amen. I pray that you're ready for the word this morning. We're going to get to baptisms at the end of the message, but um, God put a word on my heart to share this morning in regards to the topic and subject of water. How many of you this morning, in one way, shape, or form, used water? Let me see your hands, right? Pretty much everyone. If you Hopefully you brushed your teeth with water after and rinsed your mouth out. Um, you know, water is essential to survive. And uh, I was told you could go 40, up to 40 days or so without food, but only, you know, after three days without any liquid you're going to be in, a, in a, quite a bit of trouble. And so apart from drinking water to survive, as we all know, uh, we have many other uses for water, maybe cooking, bathing. You know, I bathed the kids last night, washing clothes, uh, recreation for swimming pools and uh, arenas where they make the ice, uh, keeping plants alive in the gardens and, and then in parks. Uh, but it's essential for the healthy growth of crops and livestock as well, getting a little more practical, and it's used in the manufacturing of many products as well. And so when we think of water, also it's an essential means of transportation. When you read through the book of Acts, uh, especially, um, you know, Paul's taking his journeys, he's traveling by ship a lot of the times. He talks about being shipwrecked. And so to this day, water is still an essential means of transportation. And though we came from dust, right, and God breathed the breath of life into man, the average human is roughly made up of 60% water. Interesting. In kids, they say it's like 75%. Like, that's why they drink so much Kool-Aid and juice, right? But that's, we don't give our children any Kool-Aid. Water is also linked to Genesis, to our origin and our origin in the book of Genesis. In fact, in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1 in the book of Genesis, the very beginning of your Bible, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, And darkness covered the deep waters. Amazing. It was there in the very beginning. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, science tells us that 72% of the earth is covered in water. Interesting, right? Children, 75-ish. The world, this earth, about 72. It's amazing that... This world and our bodies almost need about the same amount of water or have contained the same amount of water. And so we can conclude, and I don't think anyone would disagree, that water is essential for life. Water is essential for life. Now, if that's true, then let's look at it in the opposite sense. A lack of water would be a big problem, right? If water is essential for life, then the absence or the lack of good, clean water is a big problem for us. And that's what we see happening in our text today. That was a big introduction to lead into our story in 2 Kings chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, would you stand with me? And let's look at this text in 2 Kings chapter 2. 
We're going to begin reading at verse 19. It'll be on the screen behind me in the New Living Translation. If you're there, shout amen. Amen. All right. If you're not there, you can just look up on the screen. It's okay. And here's what it says, verse 19, 2 Kings chapter 2. One day, the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem, my Lord, they told him. This town is located in pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Elisha said, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring that supplied the town with water and threw the salt into it. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I have purified this water and it will no longer cause death or infertility. And the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha said. I'm not sure if I remembered to put the next two verses, but I just want to read them anyways, because I don't know if I'll ever be able to read them again. Here's what it says, verse 23. Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. And as he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, Baldy, they chanted. Go away, Baldy. And Elisha turned around, looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. I did not make that up. That is not really part of the story of water we're going to talk about. But as you can see, um, we have to be careful what we say. But I I will not take what uh, Elisha said to those boys because we value children at Weston. (laughs) Amen? So, we're talking about water today, but let's pray as we get our hearts open and ready to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. Father, I thank you for your word. Even the parts that we kind of laugh at and can't understand fully why they're there. But Lord, I thank you for this um, particular story about water. And I pray today as we consider... Um, the usefulness and the value of water spiritually, Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart, that we would understand what you want us to learn. And Father, I simply ask that you anoint me, your servant, as I speak your word. Let the words that I speak be the words you want communicated to your church today. Father, we thank you for this opportunity and privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, just I want to make a side note for any of you in case you're wondering. I didn't read those last two verses to make fun of the Word of God. We take this very seriously. But I also know that it's okay to smile in church. And uh, that church isn't a thing to be endured, but that we can actually come and enjoy our time together. Amen? Uh, But that passage of Scripture, I've always wondered of like why was that included and I just said one day if I ever preach this text I'm going to read that little part as well so I just needed to get that out of the way Um, let's come around the word together this morning you know the context of this story about the water is the city of Jericho and Jericho was one of the oldest towns in the world with a history of settlement reaching back to 8000 B.C. So that's a a lot of years. And you might ask, well, what made it be this old of a city 
and I'll give you a hint, we read about it, is the water. And the reason is because this abundant spring watered the surrounding area and made it fertile. And so that's why the area was abundant. That's why it was that old of a city. And you could imagine now, the very source of abundance has gone foul. It's a big problem. It's a problem for the city of Jericho. Now it's interesting, in the book of Joshua, I believe it was around the sixth chapter. I could be wrong about that, but it is in the book of Joshua where they defeat Jericho. He pronounces a curse over that city because it was evil and wicked and God was telling them to go and conquer Jericho. So perhaps as a result of what happened in Joshua's day, maybe that's why this water was no longer good. I'm not, we're not certain, but it's interesting that something that was so good at the source, at the root, was now something that was of great concern to the people of the city of Jericho. And the fertility, the fertile soil, is, is no longer the case. And they come and they find Elisha. And it's interesting, the description, as they come to him, they say, the town is located in pleasant surroundings. So on the surface, everything must have still looked okay. But at the root, there was a problem. At the root of it all, the, the water was foul. It was no good, which meant maybe here you still can't tell, right? But those who taste of the water and who have, make use of that water would know. And then it's only a matter of time before whatever looks good is no longer good anymore. Now, figuratively speaking, is our context today any different? And you might say, what do you mean? The world is a beautiful place. Toronto is a beautiful city. People, and we have tourists that come by the, by the thousands, if not the millions, every year to this great city. It attracts. We have the nations of the world represented in this beautiful city of Toronto. But the water is bad. Now, we're speaking figuratively, so if, if you are like, my water, I just drink tap water, it's great. Well, guess what? It's filtered and it's taken care of, uh, and the city does a pretty good job of that for the most part. But I'm not just speaking about the water from our tap. I'm, I'm speaking about the unseen thing, the, the root of it. So the water is bad, it's tainted with sin, and the devil's desire is to keep the water bad. It, the devil's desire is to keep the water bad. So you might look good here today, but there might be something going on beneath the surface where you can fool everyone here. But deep down, you're, there's a struggle. Deep down, there's a, a tainting. There's, a, there's the, the marks and the stain of sin even. But I'm so grateful in Isaiah chapter 1, he says, come. Let's see, let's argue this out. Let's see if I can't wash you white as snow. And I'm here to let you know that it doesn't matter how tainted your personal water might be in your life. But the blood of Jesus comes and it washes you white as snow. The word of God, there's a reference in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul where he says, Wash in the water of the Word. So as you read the Word of God, it washes your mind as well. Some of you who have struggles 
you know, maybe it's not with people, maybe it's here. This is the greatest battlefield, the mind. This is where the war is often fought internally for yourself. It's the mind. Now here's the thing. You need the word of God to come and to wash away whatever the devil has put in. You need the word of God to take its place. So how do we do that? In the name of Jesus, I bind these thoughts because God, they don't align with your word. I bind them and I fill them now with the word. And what I've prayed myself is I say, and Lord, loose the mind of Christ in me. I loose the mind of Christ in me. But you know what? You can read the word and you'll understand the mind of God, the mind and the heart to, to a limited extent. Because I don't think we'll ever tap into the fullness of who God is until one day we see him on the other side and we understand the greatness of our God. So figuratively speaking, in our context, is it any different than Jericho? The water's tainted. And again, let me repeat this. The devil's desire is to keep the water back. Let me ask the question that you're wondering, why? Why is that the devil's desire? Because when the water's bad, it leads to death. When the water is bad, it leads to death. And I love in verse 20 and 21, Elisha responds to this problem with an unusual response. He says, bring me a new bowl. And uh, if you're a visual learner, I just want to say I'm sorry. I could have brought a bowl with me, a new bowl. And then he says, and, and bring some salt. And he fills this new bowl with salt. And they go to the water. And he takes it. One translation says that he just sprinkles it. I believe our translation said that he threw the salt into the water. Um, if it was me and the problem was that bad, I would probably dump the whole thing. Um, but this is what he did. Now, why did he do that is the big question, right? What's special about the bowl and what's special about this salt? And I just want to simply tell you, don't, don't rack your brain trying to figure it out. There's nothing special about the bowl or the salt. All it is, is it is simply symbolic. The salt thrown into the flowing water could actually not affect the spring at its underground source. So what he was doing was very symbolic. And it was simply this. It was more so the word of the Lord than it was the salt that he was throwing. So the salt was simply symbolic of the word of the Lord that was being spoken. Elisha gave the word. We're going to read it in a second. I want to say to our four baptism friends, I don't want to say candidates. It just sounds so unfamily-like. But to our, our four that are getting baptized today, there's nothing special about the water. It's normal city tap water. I'll, be, I'll, I'll reassure you of that. The reality is, what's special is what God has done in your life. And that's what's, this is just symbolic of your commitment, your personal commitment to Christ. And we're here as the church family to celebrate with you, to rejoice with you. Uh, the most important thing, though, is always what's not seen, right? And so the heart is what, but you might be here today, not just the four. They're here because God already touched their hearts. But you might be here today, and I want you to know that if you have this problem, like Jericho, the water's bad, 
I want you to know God is after the source of life. It's your heart. If your heart stops beating, you are dead. If the water is bad, you will die. You see the correlation and the connection? And so Elisha's action with this bowl and the salt, it was merely symbolic. And the word of the Lord spoken by Elisha is actually what purified the water. And he said this. Let's find it. This is what, in uh, verse 21, this is what the Lord says. I have purified this water. So who did it? Was it Elisha? Was it the salt? No. God. He said, I have purified this water. Who removes the, the stain of sin? God. Through the blood of Jesus. It's not you. It's not me. I can't wash it out for you. There's no special formula in terms of, like, say these words. It comes from a realization that the cross is enough. The work of Jesus on the cross is all you need. And you have to now receive that work of the cross. You have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead. That's what the Bible says. And so he says, I have purified this water. And the second sentence or phrase is, and it will no longer cause death or infertility. Or another translation, you know, when you think infertility, right away you think of the womb. But if the, if the, the land was to be fertile, well then infertility is the opposite of fertile land as well. But I want to say this, that one, you know, death and infertility, one kills what is alive, that's death. And then one prevents life from even starting, that's infertility. And so that sentence I said before about the devil's desire, it's on both ends. He wants to stop new life from starting, and he wants to kill off what is living already. You want proof? Look, at, look with me, John 10, verse 10. In the NIV, it says, The thief, the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, Jesus' words, that they may have life and have it to the full. In other words, when the water is purified, the water that gives life, you will have life. And you know, the devil's desire, like I think of this whole crisis of abortion and all of that stuff. I'm not here to, to, to share my opinion but when you understand the Word of God, there is a certain and special sanctity to life. The best example I can give you from Scripture is John the Baptist. The Bible says that while he was in the womb, his mother was Elizabeth. We talked about him last week, I believe it was. And when Mary came over with the news you know, that the angel told her that she was with child, it says that Elizabeth's baby leapt within her. Not just that, but it was filled with the Holy Spirit. So, hold on. There was an unborn child, John the Baptist, who was filled with the Holy Spirit while in the womb. And that caused him to leap. You talk about the sanctity of life. It's beautiful. Now, the devil's plan is to stop that at the root and at the source. And, you know, beginning and then the end. What, 
What God does, and I want to be very clear on the nature and character of God, is life. The miracle of life. That's God's handiwork. Death is a result of sin. Because you can trace it all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And so, who was involved in the fall of man? Not God. God showed up, but it was the work of the enemy, the devil. And you think he's going to stop? Well, he won't until he's cast at the very end. We can remind him of his future, that we're on the winning side. Hey, devil, you lose. You lose. Some of us, we forget in the battle. Some of us, we, we forget and we feel like, oh, my goodness. But, friend, turn to the back of the book and you see that we win in Jesus' name. And so we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Listen, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. Life to the full. Now, if you had a choice, which water would you drink? <laughs> the tainted water that's leading to death, that kills everything, and that stops life from even starting? Or do you want to drink of life-giving water that, that never runs dry, right? If, if I put it that way, I know which one you'll pick. But the reality is some of us here today are drinking the water that's going to kill us. And I'm here because I love you enough to let you know, stop drinking that kind of water. Let me, let me put it in plain words. A lifestyle of sin doesn't lead to life. It leads to death and separation. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Now listen to this. The wages of sin. How many of you earn a wage? You understand wage, right? talks about paying for something or receiving uh, money for something. Now, if you were going to pay up front the wages of sin, how many of you would be ready to pay? Right? You're like, no way, Jose. I'm not giving the devil any of my time. Or my, but, but yet, when you live a lifestyle of sin, you will eventually pay the wages of sin. The wages of sin are death. But, but if we would to pay it up front, none of us would choose that way. Yet with our lifestyle, many of us are living with that reality at the end. Now, I love you enough to share that with you, but it doesn't end there. There's good news. You don't have to stay in that way. There's new life in Christ. And I want to just share with you in the, in the time that we have left the hope that we have in Jesus. John 4, verse 13 and 14, that whole chapter, you can go home, read John chapter 4. But there's a story about Jesus going to a well. Now, he encounters a Samaritan woman. And by the way, Jesus being Jewish, they didn't mix. They didn't mingle. Jews didn't hang out with Samaritans. So when he's going over to their well, their area, there's something to be said about that. I want you to know that I don't care about your past. I don't care about your sin. Maybe the sin that you're struggling with up until this moment. I want you to know that Jesus comes to meet with you. He finds you where you're at. And this Samaritan woman is there, right? And she's just thinking about a drink, just thinking about natural, physical water. 
And when Jesus is there, they have this discussion about drinking and, and water and all of this stuff. And she gets over time this progressive revelation that this person she's speaking with is no ordinary man. And he gets to verse 13, and we're going to jump straight to that part of the story. And, and they're talking about the being thirsty and drinking water. Verse 13, Jesus replied to her, Anyone who drinks this water, speaking of the well water, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Everyone say eternal life. So the water that Jesus is speaking about is an eternal life kind of water. It is a new life that you didn't have before. And we already said, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But thank you, Jesus, that you are the source of this life. That he gives us life and new life. In Jesus in Matthew 5.13 said that we are the salt of the earth. This is where we borrow our theme for the conference coming up in October. But though the world's water is bad, there's a word from God for the city of Toronto. Listen carefully. Just like Elisha threw salt in the water, so are we salt in God's hand. Listen, we are salt in God's hand. We as the church symbolically represent the life-giving nature of the word that was sent. And Jesus is that word. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So catch it. Back to our story in 2 Kings 2. Right? Elisha, the water's bad. He takes some salt symbolizing the word. He throws it in, but he says, I, meaning the Lord, have purified this water, and now it will not lead to death or infertility. Now, just like that, symbolically speaking, we are the salt that God is holding in his hand. And as we are released and scattered into this world, listen, we represent the word, Jesus, that was already given, that was already provided and, and spoken about. That's a big call that we have as the church. That, that God desires, you know, I've been having this conversation uh, with Callian actually about salt. You know, as we gather today, he made an interesting comment. We're gathered, but when you are making a meal, I don't take credit. This was Cal's thoughts that, that we were talking through. And if, if any of you ever cook, right, how do you put salt on your food? Not like this, right? Please don't invite me if that's your, your method, right? But it's like a pinch of salt or you have a way of like scattering. If you're salt bay, you like, right? You do it your way. But the reality is no one wants like a clump of salt on your dish, on your plate. So we're gathered today, salt and light here. But as we leave, we have to be spread out. This is God's plan. We are to be the God flavors in this world. And so he releases us. He sprinkles us and spreads us around and about. Not so that it's like it's for me. No, it's for him. 
that we represent, and it's for others, that they would receive what we've received. And I've been saying this like a broken record because we need to get around the word and understand that we're not just zombies showing up to work Monday morning, but we are called as salt and light to show up and be salt. Thank you. Get ready. We are called to be salt. Because God desires to sprinkle us and to use us for His purpose, for His glory. You see, Jesus' ministry was on earth for three years. But He set up His church so it would be around until He says it's time for us to go. And it's been a long time, but we're not quite done yet. But in three years, Jesus set up shop here on earth so that we could continue this mission and mandate, not on our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so my question for you is this, how's the water? How's your water? How's the water? You know, it's when the, we were filling up the baptismal tank, um, you know, I remember, I think it was Malachi this morning, he's like, PJ, or Pastor John, he's like, the water is pretty warm, right? Because the question everyone has is, how's the water? Well, I'll let you know when we get in there in a few minutes if it's still the same. It's, you know, it's been there for a bit, right? We approach something and we always have that question, how's the water? We, we like to test things out, but the reality is I'm asking you the question that you, ask, you have to ask for yourself. How's the water in my life? How's the water? Is it good? Is it producing life or is it producing death? Maybe that's a good way to tell. Is it producing life or is it producing death? And we're not quite there yet, guys, unless they are using the bathroom. So maybe the, uh, we don't want any yellow water. <laughs> How's the water? <laughs> so I appreciate that. That's very kind of them. You know, how, how's the water? I couldn't help but remember Carrie Underwood had a song, right? Must be something in the water. I'm not the best singer, but the reality is, um, you know, people should know in our lives, they're like, what did he drink this morning? <laughs> right? I'm drinking the water of the word of God for my life. They should look at us and we should be different than them. If, if the world's water leads to death and I'm drinking of the living water, there should be a marked difference in my life. I don't need Gatorade. Maybe I need a bit of coffee perhaps. But there should be a marked difference beyond those little things to where people stop and, and ask, there must be something in the water. And you know, his name is Jesus. There's one story that I want to share that we find in John chapter 5. Uh, before we get there, I just, I was looking through scripture this week, and I want to just highlight real quick, you know how many stories in the Bible are centered or surrounded by water? Just follow me for a second. Noah's Ark, right? Noah's Ark, it rained for 40 days, and, and the floodwaters rose. Then there's Moses, he turned the water to blood, and then Moses' first miracle when he was leading the people out of slavery, out of Egypt, is that he parted the Red Sea. Well, God did it, but through his leadership and through the staff. Um, Moses also used the staff and he hit the rock and you see water gushing out. And we see God provide for his people, even though they were complaining. 
a lot. Joshua, his first miracle as a leader was to lead the people across the Jordan River. Jesus, his first miracle was at the wedding in Cana and he turned the water to wine. Jesus' baptism, we see there's another story where the clouds open up. There's a voice of heaven There's the, representing God the Father. Then we see the, the dove descending. That's the Holy Spirit. And then we have Jesus. And so we see the Trinity represented at Jesus' baptism taking place in the water. There's the man with leprosy where Jesus tells him, go and dip seven times and then go show the priest. Then there's a story, and this is where I want to wrap everything up this morning, where there's a lame man at the pool of Bethesda. And Bethesda in Hebrew is the place of mercy or the place of curing. The place of mercy or the place of curing. And in John chapter 5, Jesus is walking by this lame man. And Jesus asked him, would you like to get well? And I believe Jesus today is asking you and me the same question. If you have dirty water, tainted with sin or, or mistakes or anything like that, I believe he's here asking, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And this man said, I can't. And he, here's why. He said, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. And you might say, what does that mean? Well, there were a bunch of other sick people that would gather around the pool of Bethesda. And the, the tradition was that an angel of the Lord would come and stir up the waters. And for some reason, it would happen in this way that the first person who was sick to enter the water when it was bubbling up, would get cured. So this man, unable to move or walk, said, I can't. Why? Because every time it starts, people always get there before I do, that first person. Today, you might be here feeling like everyone else gets the blessing. Everyone else in my life that I know gets the healing or has a pretty, pretty good life. Uh, God blesses them or his favors on them, but I can't and it doesn't work for me. Or they've been set free from their addictions and their past and I, I don't know why I still struggle and I'm stuck here. Friend, I want you to know Jesus is asking you the same question he asked this man. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? But see, here's the problem. He was so focused on the physical water that he didn't realize that the, light, that the living water that Jesus offers was available right in front of him. He didn't realize that there was a different water, there was a different healing that was available to him through Jesus Christ alone. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent out his word, Jesus, and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. I want you to know that the word has been sent already. His name is Jesus. He sent his word and healed their diseases, snatching them from the door of death. So the question again, how's the water? How's your water? There must be something different about our water as believers. So how's your water? And Jesus said in John 4, But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh and bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And before we 
transition to our time of baptism, I want to give anyone that's here an opportunity to receive living water. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet today. We cannot move on with, with the baptisms until I give every single person that's here an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. To say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've tried to clean up your behavior, but it doesn't fix the, the root of the problem. I want you to know that Jesus is here and he's after your heart today. More than anything else, more than, more than the tithes and offerings, more than you just showing up for religious duty, God is after your heart that is the primary thing. And once you surrender your heart, you give him room and you give him permission to cleanse you from all of those things which make your water, your life, murky and dirty and, and, and stained with sin. And so today, Jesus died on the cross not for religious purposes, not so we could come to have a country club every Sunday, but he died so that we can have new life. And I love you enough to give you the opportunity to tell you, listen, you don't have to stay stuck in your sin. You don't have to look at others anymore and see how God is blessing them. But today, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you get the opportunity and the privilege to say yes to him. And so I'm just going to ask real quick, because I want to pray. I want to lead you to pray. Why? Because salvation is very simple. It's simply this. You open your mouth and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And so as we get to this, the most important part of the, the message is the response. And so here's what I'm going to ask. If everyone would just close their eyes and bow their heads in this moment. And this is a moment between you and God. This is a moment where the question is, how's your water? And the only remedy is the work of the cross in the name of Jesus. If you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but today you are making the choice. It's your decision. It's your choice. I just wanted to ask that you would slip your hand real high as I want to acknowledge it, but then we're going to pray together. If there's anyone here, if there's anyone here, we don't have a lot of time, but I do want to give you the opportunity. If there's anyone here today, the name of Jesus. Maybe you're here today, and you are a Christian, but the struggle is real. And what I mean by that is the struggle with sin is, is this ongoing thing. Today, I want you to know that the power of the cross is greater than the power and the struggle of your sin, and that in the name of Jesus, the curse of sin is broken. But today, you need to confess in the name of Jesus. If you're here today, and maybe there's this struggle, but you mean business with God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray with you today. If there's anyone, I see hands going up. I see hands going up in the name of Jesus. We're going to pray together as the church because we aren't meant to strive. 
The battle has already been won in Jesus' name. And so today we have to call upon the name of Jesus. And we invoke the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. So Father, today in the name of Jesus, you see these hands that are up. And Father, I thank you for surrendered hearts even now in this place. And Father, as we come, we mean business with you. So Father, as you see these hearts, Lord, you see the struggle, you see the battle. But Father, I thank you that we don't have to endure it in this way because Lord, you already conquered sin. You already conquered death. Death has been defeated and the power of sin no longer has a hold on us when we yield our lives to you. So in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for every single person that's here. We thank you that the cross is enough for us and we place our confidence in the cross of Jesus Christ today. That Father, we don't battle sin, but sometimes we have to understand the greatest fight is within us, it's us. And so, Father, help us to put to death our own flesh and our own desires. But thank you that there's a life-giving spirit that lets the river flow, the river of God, the river that brings life inside of us. So even now, as I pray over every person that's here, I pray new life in Jesus' name. I pray for uh, the springs of living water to bubble up from the inside, where there are people that are here that feel cracked and dry, that there is no life, that there is no water that gives life. In the name of Jesus, I speak water, life-giving water, bubble up now in Jesus' name. And here it comes in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Let the river flow. Let the river flow. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And we give you all glory in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.